Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Luz, President and CEO of the Massachusetts Restaurant Association, and I want to welcome you to Together We Win, the MRA podcast. So let's get going. Well, welcome to Together We Win. It is so exciting to have everybody here. Spring is sprung. It's March. Sometimes we have some snow. Hopefully none this year uh, or very little, and certainly only on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. Um, But it's when our flowers come out. It's when people start putting shorts on and running around Boston and and getting ready to uh, train for the Boston Marathon that really feels like it just happened yesterday because... No, it was only six months ago. It we just got the benefit yesterday. of a marathon, yeah. uh, you know, two marathons in, in less than six months. Yeah, it it's is why I chose, Steve, not to run in either of them because it was a little bit too close. That was clearly the reason. Yeah. And, and also the fact that you would think that you would start training in March for an April marathon that's is really um, a sign that that's says correct. that. Yeah, you know. no, that's correct. Yeah, no, I'm thinking next year could be my year. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been targeting it. And, you know, again, it was going to be this year or last. You know, it was just too close. And I just said, you know, that's a little too much to Have fight. you been training for St. Patrick's Day? I have been training for St. Patrick's okay. Day. I am a professional uh, St. Patrick's Day athlete. As you know, this body was sculpted for St. Patrick's Day for Guinness. Um, Guinness is like mother's milk to me. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just what we do. It's... Uh, it keeps me nourished. It keeps me going. Um, is there anything better than a glass of Guinness? I don't think so. A second glass of Guinness? A second glass of Guinness. That's a, that's a great answer. Yeah. Hey, but on, the, on the marathon, I hear Roy, Rosie Ruiz is making a comeback, too. So <laughs> Rosie Ruiz. <laughs> So you jump right Ke- Kerry keeping his references modern. Uh, Kerry, so you can jump right in. There's 14 people that even know what the hell that meant. That's the four, That's my 14 audience. 14 people. And that's my audience, Bob. That's what oh, I'm shooting boy. for. Oh, boy. Can you talk to your kids and ask them if they have any idea who Rosie is? I don't like is. talking to my kids, and they don't like talking to me. So. We try okay. to keep it. We try to keep it simple. All right. This is going. This, this podcast is starting in so many different ways. From the app description of uh, Guinness to Kerry's par- parenting uh, expertise here. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, look, we're getting rejuvenated, right? I mean, it is, it, it, you know, the spring is, is really, um, to me, uh, you know, first of all, people complain about four seasons or the winter in Boston. I got to say, I love it. I mean, I love having four distinct seasons. I think we earn them. We earn, we appreciate spring and we right? appreciate the change. We appreciate summer because I mean, January and February are tough to get through, but we really earn and we see that, that refreshing look and, yeah. and get it. And, and it just as an industry, we've been kicked in the teeth so much and we're feeling that. We're just feeling that rejuvenation of happening and coming back in March. Did it's anybody be- just hear Steve's voice get louder? He keeps moving away from the microphone. He's afraid of it. It's, uh, <laughs> I have to bring him back in. But he I'm was, here. I'm he, here. He, had moved, yeah. he was like six feet beyond. I was getting it, too then, comfortable. I leaned back in my chair. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's a, no, it's a microphone thing. Yeah. No, but it is. It's rejuvenating. Um, you know, and, and honestly, the people that live in places like San Diego and Miami, look, it's, it's like vanilla, man. It's, it's, it's the same every day, you know. Um, again, I like the cuts. I like leaves coming out, and and like I said, 
you know, people throwing shorts on and running mm-hmm. around and, you know, the hitting the first golf balls. And, you know, to me, it's, it's really exciting. And then you get into summer and everything that that has to offer. And then the fall comes around, you know, raking yeah. leaves is what Kerry loves. Uh, that, but the, the fact that you're not waking up in the dark and you're actually coming home and, it, and it's light and you're seeing people that are frequently going outside to dine now. I mean, I think it's just get a little bit of weather, warm weather underneath us. And it's opening up the restaurant, uh, uh, outdoor dining, and just the mobility of it, right? I mean, more people are out on the weekends. More people are heading into town on the weekends and spending more time out later at night. So, yeah, when the warms up a little bit and the light's a little bit more light out, it got more people moving around, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, and as Steve knows, you know, outdoor dining, you know, by this point, it's here to stay now. And uh We've been hammering on this, Steve. How long? You and I. We've been talking about this for a while. Uh, I think we think back to to April of 2020 when when you know the first conversation came of how do we get to outdoor dining and how do we make that happen? And you know, it's shown that people love it, and municipalities love it, and restaurants love it. It's been the opportunity to expand business, and you know, the the fact that people are comfortable sitting on on a makeshift bench and and paying a nice price to enjoy company and enjoy a, a nice meal. People love outdoor dining, and we've earned it because we haven't been able to be outside for a couple months. So people love El Fresco. Yeah. Now it's uh, you know again we've said it before it's it is the um, one of the only positive things to come out of these last uh, couple of years, uh, but it's you know here to stay now uh, and uh, uh, part of our business model going forward forever. And uh, you know look uh, the parochial days of Massachusetts are behind us in one regard, maybe not in every regard. And, you know, enjoying a cold glass of beer, whether it's Guinness, Budweiser, uh, Sam Adams, Jack's Abbey, it doesn't really matter, or a glass of wine, or my personal favorite, Tito's Soda Double Wine in a tall glass. It's like water. Um, you know, uh, outside on a 60, 70, 80 degree day, it's it's the best. And doesn't it, get any better. Uh, with friends, so. That's that's really cool. Um, and spring also means we do have the New England Food Show coming around the corner. And uh, that is uh, always exciting for us. We talked about it last month. Uh, you know, uh, one of our favorite times of the year. And, and uh, we got a dynamite, dynamite lineup coming in. And Kerry, um, you know, I give kudos to you and to J.P. Fiella, you know, from uh, uh, Image Unlimited, uh, our PR firm, who's Work so tight. Two of you got us a great lineup. Talk to us just quickly about a couple of the highlights, if you would. Yeah, listen. So uh, right out of the gate on Sunday, we've got Michaela Mendelson, who is the probably the leading expert on trans- transgender. Great national speaker. Uh, she's going to come in and kick off the show for us on Sunday. And right on the heels of that, we're bringing uh, back our our friend and uh, uh, and and brother-in-law of the uh, most recently retired Tom Brady, Kevin Euclid, is going to come over. Euclid <laughs> is back. Uke. Uh, we roll into Monday with uh, our, uh, our, our Food Network, uh, probably the coolest guy and the most prominent guy on the Food Network these days. Richard Blaze is coming into a chef demo. Blaze, yeah, right? <laughs> You're gonna have to cut that and use that for future episodes. I think he's just getting ready to see if the Red Sox ever come back exactly. so they can howl from the from the uh, stands. And then Tuesday, and it kind of talks into what rolls into what we're talking about here. We've got uh, the, a beverage keynote and probably one of the trend, coolest trend uh, businesses out there. We've got Marion Leitner from Archer Rouge Wine, and they're taking that packaging where people would look at bag-in-the-box wine or 
wine in a keg as being a poor product. And they've got high-end quality product going into cans, uh, going into kegs, going into boxes. And she's nailing it on the sustainability piece. And she's nailing it on the kind of breaking down the barriers for people to have entry to enjoying a nice glass of wine. So she'll be our keynote, keynote on Tuesday. And, she, and she's actually my guest today on the show yeah. too. So we get her. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. And yeah. she, she really is on the cutting edge and, and, and it's, uh, you know, look, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. If you said, you know, wine in a box, wine in a can, people would say to you, well, what is wrong with you? Right. right? And, uh, as we know, it's a great product and, uh, and it's, uh, and it's, uh, and it's green. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Without yeah. doubt. Steve Clark. The man, the myth, the legend. I have a legend joining us. A legend in the barbecue world. Three-time Best of Boston Barbecue. Regional champion. Competing in cities across the country. Andy Husbands. Chef, restaurateur in Boston. He'll be on the main stage at the New England Food Show Monday, April 4th as our culinary demo. And Andy and I are going to talk about barbecue. We're going to talk about whiskey. And we're going to talk about just his life. It's a fascinating existence. It is. It is. And he's nationally known as a pit master and and really uh you know the product is terrific um you know and i think that you would find this surprising but i i do love barbecue you know you 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 wouldn't know that by looking at me because of know, the training for the marathon so, so i've been training right. for the marathon and uh, i have a sculpted body for mm -hmm. you know drinking guinness on uh march 17th but some uh, his, people some people would take the pasta route but yeah, uh, yeah no, no no are you allowed to carbo load before the marathon <laughs> and just carbo load I cobble load before every marathon <laughs> and most Wednesdays because Wednesday is pasta day. Prince spaghetti. Prince spaghetti. Prince spaghetti, Prince spaghetti day. I was, I was throwing it to you with the rosy rules. Well, I, I can, I can, throw, I, Anthony. Yeah, 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 you got yeah, the window, yeah, right? Yeah. Bob, who do you have on today? Who do I have on today? Um, uh, an individual that works for a, a really great company that started. Um, Really got its got its beginnings as a humble Rhode Island-based food service uh, supply distribution company back in 1947, um, and you know they just continued to expand throughout the Northeast and set the stage for the 1990 1988 formation of our great partner at the MRA Trimark United East. Um, the, that company's become the powerhouse leader in really designing commercial kitchen spaces, installing state-of-the-art equipment and delivering supplies to dining establishments and food service facilities throughout New England. Um, and so in the middle of the pandemic, of Jan back in January of 2021, uh, they needed to have a leadership change because uh, the prior uh, leader, Scott McDaniel, great, great individual, had decided to look at a new uh, opportunity. And the company was in need and search of that new leader. And um, they, 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 did an, I think, a terrific job in identifying just the right person um, to lead the company through, um, you know, the turbulent waters that we found ourselves in or we find ourselves in over the last couple of years and towards recovery. Jeff Bean, uh, who's who's now running the, everything over you know, uh, Trimark United East, uh, spent his entire career with the company. Uh, he started as the territory sales rep and he's grown all the way now to general manager. And I think that has him uniquely qualified to really lead the organization at the most challenging time that we've ever seen 
for that side of the business, um, the operational side of the business. Um, and Jeff, beyond everything else, is just a true gentleman, one of the great people who is so passionate about making sure that his company represents um, and, and fits the needs of every individual uh, organization they work with. Welcome to the show, Jeff Bean. Hey, thanks, Bob. So happy to be here. Proud member of the Massachusetts Restaurant Association for many years and uh, happy to be on your podcast today. Yeah, and as I said, uh, you know, great partners. Uh, Trimark United East has been with the MRA for so long. And Jeff, you, you're the fabric of Tri, uh, Trimark United East and have been for a long time. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. And uh, boy, uh, we both know it's gotten a lot, a lot, a lot easier. I mean, you know, for, you know, let's start right there. I mean, you know, for, for, spend a second here on this. Talk about hitting the easy button, right? Uh, how lucky what easy we, huh? how lucky <laughs> were you to have been named the leader of the, uh, I, I believe the premier partner uh, for our industry, uh, for an industry that has been the most impacted by COVID. Right. I mean, yep. how lucky are you to have had all that thrust upon you uh, <laughs> in this? No pressure at all. Right. That's the easy. Button. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, they, they always say it's about timing. Right. And uh, I don't know if I got the, the timing right or not, but um, I was I was honored to be given the, the leadership level here at Trimark when, um, you know, beginning of the year last year. And uh, when you talk to people outside of our industry, Bob, it's always interesting, right? They, they uh, when you tell them what you do, they're like, "Ooh, your your industry is taking a beating, huh?" <laughs> and uh, and w- without a doubt, it has, right? It's it, it it hasn't stopped from day one. You know, first our, our our customer base, you know, was shut down and trying to get back on their feet, and then finally, when the when the faucet turns back on, it's it's uh, they can't get the supplies they need yeah. and manufacturing and supply chain and, you know, then more restrictions and mandates come back over the last few months. So it feels like it's been never ending, but you know, I'm like you, I'm, I'm a glasses half full and optimistic. And I feel like we're at the, the tail end of this thing and you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel. And I think 2022 is going to be full of its own sets of challenges and, and, uh, and, and, and things that we're going to have to navigate, but um, you know, with the supply chain is still going to be challenging yeah. for sure. But you know, I, I feel like we're in a much better place now, and we've we've learned a lot of valuable lessons over the last uh, couple of years too. To, to that will that will all benefit from in the long yeah, run. I no, think. no question about it. I mean, we've, we've as an industry, we've just grown and matured, and really had to relook at our business models from the ground up, and and mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways gotten smarter about it. And um, you know, um, look, I mean, the, everybody was riding high and mighty. Uh, you know, coming through 19 and into the earliest days of 20, and we were probably, you know, living a little fat on all of it and, and not... The not, good old days. Yeah, the good old <laughs> days. So anyways, all right, but before we get there, tell me tell me what led you um, from a degree in uh, public, relation, public relations management at, at the University of Maryland uh, to Trimark in, in uh, 1998. Well, um, it's it's a great question, and um, like like many in our industry, I was born into it. Yeah. 
So uh, although I, I, I do have a degree in journalism and public relations from the University of Maryland, uh, Trimark uh, was originally my family business. Mm-hmm. So go, going back to uh, my grandfather who started uh, United Restaurant Equipment Company in Woonsocket, Rhode Island in 1947 yep. um, through today, where I'm actually really proud to say that we're celebrating our 75th year in business uh, this year in, in 2022. And that will be a major theme of our booth at the New England Food Show. Uh you know, Trimark, even though it was sold back in the in the late 90s to private equity, and, and we've had, um, you know, three or four different private equity owners over the course of those years, all continuing to um, to invest in Trimark and, and help us grow both through acquisition and organically over the last 20 years. I had an opportunity to join the family business right when I graduated college. And even though the company was just recently sold... Um, you know, I, I saw this as something that was that I was still passionate about and, and loved the industry and always worked in in our uh, in our family business, you know, in high school and in college and and thought I'd give it a try. And uh, if not, I could always go into public relations or, or journalism. And uh, <laughs> it's been almost 24 years since then. And uh, it's it's been a, an industry that I absolutely am passionate about and love. And, you know, I don't think we have more you know, any more colorful customers in, in the world than in the food service industry. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to say you have fun and learn, you have fun every day at your job and, and you learn more every day at your job. And I think, um, you know, that's why you've stayed with it. And boy, uh, you really, you know, uh, through the years, you, you know, look, you, you, you made stops at every level of the business and uh, really uh, uh, trained strongly uh, at each step of the way to take on this role. And it's it's been really exciting to see you get it. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind that you're the right person to uh, to lead it, to, to lead us forward uh, and, and help the entire industry, because I really Trimark has such an impact in so many different ways across our industry and with so many of the premier restaurant and food service operations throughout New England. Um, Trimark United East is always there. So uh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah. It's uh, we, we, we like to think that we are certainly part of the fabric of, of the New England food service and restaurant scene. And, you know, we're a, a very large company nationally that, that yeah. provides us with the buying power to, to, to help help our customers but also we have that local presence and that local feel and you know we still try to treat the company like a like a family-run business even though even though we're a large larger national company now and uh you know we we hope that that gives us the ability to to help our customers in the long run yeah during during the early days and and up until you took over you know what what was you know a couple of the lessons that you learned early on that still assist you today and and really um, that are going to help you be, be successful in your new role not so new role now um, but but what what were kind of the the things that you you picked up along the way that really stick with you today and drive you as a leader? Oh God, I mean that's that's a that's a that's a good question, but the one that jumps out at me the most is. You know, I learned this in my days of being a, a salesperson growing up in the business. Um, you got to be a chameleon and, and you have to be able to adapt to whoever your customer is. And I remember as a as a former sales rep in, in, in the Boston area and as regional manager, you know, some days you'd be, you know, you'd be taking your uh, your supply order from the uh, from the dishwasher in the kitchen. And some and, you know, in the next hour, you'd be talking to the the general manager of a hotel or the president of a country club or uh, or the owner of a you know a three unit restaurant chain so you know you, you have to you have to adapt to who your audience is 
And I think that just goes to show the type of industry that we're in, that it's, you know, you, you get all types in our, in our business, in our industry. And as a leader, you have to be able to adapt to whoever your audience is. Yeah, no, and I, that is a, that is so true. And, and, and again, I think, uh, yeah, the organization and and you certainly have done it, but the organization's done that over the years. I mean, during the twenty five years that you've been there, I mean, and think about everything that happened in those twenty five years. I mean, you know, the greater New England area, certainly greater Boston and, and Massachusetts, because I'll stay focused there because I run the Massachusetts yeah, Restaurant Association, not the New England Restaurant Association. Um, but you know, think about the culinary scene that we've seen grow here. Uh, together, you and I, um, you know, we went from having a good reputation to, and, and again, take the last couple of years out of this for right now, but uh, boy, there was no more exciting scene than the the greater Boston, Massachusetts area from a culinarian standpoint. I mean, we had not only national acclaim, but international acclaim. And mm-hmm. you must have seen and been part of so much growth and innovation through what you offer uh, your your clients, your your, your customers, uh, to help them achieve that, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. It's uh, it's been a fun ride watching the, the the scene all around New England, but specifically in the Greater Boston area, really explode. And you know, we all know it started out, you know, years ago with the uh, with you know the Lydia Shires yeah. and, and 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 Gordon Hammersley, you know, all the the people that that really paved the way back in the eighties and nineties to, to really where it's become today. And with the development of, you know, the seaport area and all the different areas, I think about the, the areas around like the ink block and just, they're just, you know, booming little re- sections of, of restaurants throughout the city and in the region. It's uh it, it's pretty cool to see what's happening. And I, I, I challenge anybody to, to tell me of a, of a better restaurant city than, than Boston in the whole country. There you go. There you go. Tell me a little bit about the innovation that you've seen um, through uh, the product offerings and uh, the equipment and the design uh, that Trimark offers uh, to its clients. And, you know, even to the point where, you know, you've really gotten into the green movement and, and, and energy savings. And talk to me a little bit about what that's done to making sure that your clients and your, your, your customers have the best that they need to succeed. Yeah, I mean, energy savings continues to be a, a high focus. Whenever our our feds, we call them the food service equipment and design specialists, the people that go out and help our their our customers create their their dream kitchens, uh, you know, energy savings continues to be a very high focus. Uh, it's a cost savings down the road. There's a lot of uh, rebates coming from from the states and, and specifically Massachusetts on on helping customers get the right equipment um, that can you know, still allow them to service their customers, you know, the, the right and most efficient way possible. But we, we've seen, you know, such a transformation of, you know, it, on the equipment side, whether it's, um, you know, the, the, you know, I'll use a combi oven as, as a good example, yeah. you know, a combi oven, you know, 20 years ago used to be this ultra specialty piece of equipment, you know, combination oven and steamer that, um, you know, that was a $20,000 item that only like, you know, you know, the Ritz Carlton had, right? Uh, and then you, you fast forward to today that it's becoming almost a staple design in almost every kitchen that we that that we do. And that the customers have quickly realized the the return on investment of putting in a piece of equipment like that. And, and the prices have come down considerably. 
but that the combi oven is so versatile that you can eliminate literally two pieces of equipment by using one piece of equipment and um and in the in just the overall versatility you can you can do smoking now in a, in a combi oven you can do you can do a million different things that um that once customers actually see it in action and see the the results of the product that come out of of the units um it really does sell itself you know and that that's just one example of of many of the types of innovation that's going on in kitchens, you know, right now that's becoming the norm. Yeah. And that was so important in, and and really a big factor behind the scenes that a lot of people don't think about in what made our chefs really uh, allow them to do their jobs even better and, and come out with better innovative products and cutting edge and, and, you know, really, you know, uh, making Instagram quality uh, uh, dishes a hundred percent of the time. It's it's the behind the scenes innovation that uh, you, I think you guys bring to the market every year. Um, that that really was helpful. But think about it now. I mean, the, a lot of the stuff that you that you have to offer to the industry it also builds in um, labor savings and and absolutely. You know, uh, that is Which now is more important than ever. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, for all of us, I mean, I know it's 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 affected you and 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 the warehouse and the design team just as much as everybody else, but that's just so critical today and you guys are, are, are the leaders in that whole area. Let's let's now talk a little bit about that pandemic. We just sort of wandered into it here. So, uh you know, look, I I know I was having conversations with you, with Scott McDaniel, with with everybody during this crisis. Um, you know, Trimark United East was impacted just as greatly as everybody. I mean, it affected sure. your team and, and the, the, your ability to continue to employ them, so on and so forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are the darkest days. But, you know, t- talk to me as we started to come out of this and, and, and you know, we started to reemerge. Um, talk to me a little bit about what the recovery was. And, and I'll put you on the spot because I know you and I talked about this early on. I mean, you you told me about supply chain issues before anybody brought up those three words together. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can remember yep. the conversation like it was yesterday, and you were saying to me, Bob, people have to order now if they want things to get here on containers, you know, from overseas, you know, in in three six months. You know, I mean, it was it was crazy. So, talk to me about how that's affected everything and how how you've been able to work through it and overcome it. Yeah, oh boy, Bob. It's it's been our, easily our largest challenge. I mean, you know, obviously it, it was tough for everybody, you know, in our industry to have to lay off the people that we laid off at the beginning. And you know, I'm I'm, I'm proud to say that we've been able to hire back um, either the majority of people that worked with us or just you know get back to the to the headcount levels we need to to run our business and run our operation That's effectively. So, you know, I feel like we're in a very good space there, but, you know, dealing with the supply chain constraints that are going on throughout the, throughout the world right now, I mean, it's, it's happening in everywhere, right? Construction, you, mm-hmm. you name it, it's, it's happening there, but specifically in our industry, you know, the biggest challenge that we've had, to, or, or I wouldn't even say challenge, it's, it's an opportunity is to try to, you know, go back to your previous question that you asked me um, and, and the response, it, it's about it's about consulting and educating the customer, whether it's about you know new te- technology with equipment, or it's about just the state of of the supply chain and the industry that we're in now. The the facts are that before the pandemic, we could we could build a restaurant in two to three months. You play you give us an order today, you know, 
two or three years ago, you gave us an order today. We could get you a full restaurant kitchen build out, including hoods and walk-ins and whatever you needed in about three months. Um, realistically today, it's more like nine to 12 months. Mm. And resetting that expectation for, for the industry is has been really important and critical with how we go out to market and we go to business. It's, you know, if I've learned anything in sales, um, it's, it's all about the expectation that you set and you got to set the proper expectation. You got to let people know what's going on. Um, you know, whereas in some cases we used to be the sole supplier for, for restaurants, food service, equipment, and supplies. They now likely have a backup source because in some instances we just can't get it in. Um, for a variety of reasons outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that similarly goes for, you know, the other suppliers that they're using. I, I hear it every day from customers that they now need to have two or three sources for items where they only used to have one. So I think educating the customer on what's going on out there in the industry, um, letting them know that, hey, listen, um, back in the middle of the pandemic or back in the middle of the summer last year, you know, we were operating at a, you know, 80, 85% fill rate, which is awful for us. You know, we used to be a company that operated at 99.5 and and that was where we we expected our standard to be. Uh, I'm proud to say that today we're back to 97%, Wow, um, which is, which is great. Um, You know, business, you know, it it slowed down and we're, you know, we're, we're in, we're in the winter season here, but, um, but I feel like we're in a much better spot now than we were six months ago. And it's just continuing to set the expectation with customers that it's going to be a bumpy 2022. There's still supply constraints throughout the world um, with whether it's raw material or just the ability for manufacturers to have the labor to, 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 to pump this stuff out. Uh, you want to walk in cooler right now. It's, it's, it's a nine to 12 month lead time on a walk in cooler, no matter what manufacturer you go to. Um, so it's the, you know, the, the, those are the challenges, but it's being, being as realistic as you can with a customer upfront and making sure that they're just aware of, of the conditions that are out there. Yeah, no, that is, uh, I can't even imagine the challenge of sitting down with an excited owner that's got this space and saying, trying to figure out how, you know, how you have to say, I'm going to commit to the delivery of, of, you know, for new space or renovated space, whatever it is. And it's nine to 12 months out. I mean, that's, um. You know, but to your point, it's just, it's communication. It's, it's talking about the fact we're all in this together and, um, and we've got to be transparent and work together to, to get through this and, and we will, and it will get improved. But to your point, this is affecting, you know, people want to say it's always the restaurant industry. It's not, it's every single industry. You hit the nail on the yeah. head with that earlier. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, it hits our industry more. Why? Because we're public facing because, we are on the operations side a very um, labor-intensive industry, uh, and you know it's very public facing and facing, and and it's seen. So um, that's why I think we get a lot of it. So yeah, uh, we're we're all victims of it right now, Bob. Yeah. I mean, we're we're in the middle of of building a new distribution center in Bellingham, and we're building an office there, and. You know, the same situation, you know, that our customers are dealing with. Our our costs have doubled what we originally thought they were going to be, what we originally budgeted at o- over yeah. there. And and the lead times on the construction, yeah. you know, whether it's whether it's wood or steel or or wire or copper wiring uh, has, has all escalated to the point where it's it's much further out than what we originally had anticipated. So it's happening everywhere, to your point. And I'm sure you guys are already working on the the space the future of restaurants and that's gonna probably look like uh you know smaller spaces and dedicated to to go and delivery sections and 
uh, utilizing technology like never before. And again, that's why you need a great partner like Trimark United East. There's no question about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. And yeah. That's what we try to bring to the table every day. Yeah, you, you mentioned it early on the New England Food Show. Um, you guys are just uh, such great partners with us for it, and um, we've talked about how important this show is for all the reasons we just talked about. But you know, uh, we have a since we've had the last show, we have a totally different business model in every facet of the business, from your side to the operator's side and everywhere in between. And uh, this is a really critical show, isn't it? Uh, it is. The first one in, in three years. Yeah. And, um, I, I, like you, I'm looking at this as a uh, as a celebration of our industry and uh, almost a, you know, a, a coming out party for, you know, for the restaurant industry that's been, I feel like, closed up for the last, you know, two years. Yeah, no, and, and, and again, you guys, you know, you, you always have new and exciting equipment at, at every show. And again, not having any show for three years, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, we're going to, we're going to see some great things here and, and I really look forward to it. And uh, you and the team dedicate so much to it. And, and uh, you know, it is the Trimark pavilion is clearly the highlight of a lot of people coming into that show. And uh, you offer so much uh, and it is really, really exciting um, to see uh, the involvement of your team and the commitment of of all your people um, to making sure that every restaurateur that walks through there is getting what they need, and uh, the, nothing beats that one on one interaction. Is that isn't that true, Jeff? It's one of the things I'm I'm most excited about. Bob is I, I always as 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 my career has grown, and I you know sometimes we get busier and we get stuck behind the desk. You know, getting back to seeing customers on the floor of the New England Food Show, I see customers that I used to deal with 20 years ago or people that have changed, you know, positions or changed uh, changed venues that you're at. So I am specifically very excited to to see a lot of customers that I haven't been able to see in a long time, uh, you know, in some cases since the last New England Food yeah. Show. Um, I almost look at it as a, it feels like a reunion of sorts um, every time we're there and you just see see friendly faces and and. and it also gives us an opportunity, like you said, to, to showcase, you know, the new and innovative items. We we have great support from a lot of our vendor partners that are that are in the booth and that have been in the booth in past years. So we're, we're happy that we're seeing um, them come back to the New England Food Show with us. And we're going to also be showcasing some some cool and different items, right? You, you mentioned it, uh, you know, labor savings tools. We're going to have some some neat robotics in our in our booth uh, and, and some some different things that that I don't, you know, some people may have heard about or seen, but they'll actually be able to see some of it in action, um, which is going to be exciting. And, and we're just, we're just excited to be back there again. We're, we're going to attack the New England food show with the same kind of passion we always have in the past and, and really look at it more as a celebration more than anything. And I've seen some of those, some of those products you're talking about over at the innovation center that you have, uh, in the seaport, which, uh, if folks haven't gotten over there, uh, it is such a, a great space oh, great. Uh, and, you know, provides so much opportunity for all of your clients, uh, all of your customers. Um, if you haven't gotten over there to, you know, spend some time, go see it. Uh, they, they love showing it off and it's just, uh, it's, 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 a, it offers you so much a, ability to impact your operations at one of your business partner spots. It's, it's really true. So, yeah. Absolutely. Countless, countless restaurateurs have come through that space and helped design their tabletop package or sit with one of our specialists to, to lay out their equipment package. And it's, uh, the, the nice thing is we always have looked at Boston as the epicenter of our business and having that physical presence 
in Boston, in the seaport, which has got such great, you know, even even during the pandemic, there's still buzz around there. We're in the, the same building as, as Reebok at, at 21 Dry Dock. Uh, you know, it's appointment only, but we we welcome any anybody in the food service industry. We really look at it as a space for um, everybody in our industry, not just Trimark customers. Uh, if you ever want to come by, you can reach out to us um, and we'd be happy to uh, to show you the space, but also uh, show you what, what what's out there that's new and interesting that you may not have seen. All right. That's great, Jeff. All right. We've reached that part now, the lightning round. Already? Uh, that yeah, fast. It, 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 it's like a nanosecond. <laughs> uh, our lightning round is sponsored by our friends at Sprague Energy. They are our endorsed partner for everything energy, that any needs that you have for gas, electric, um, uh, you know, the, the boys, Kevin and uh, Steve, are, are terrific about uh, meeting with you and, and bringing you innovative uh, approaches to how you manage gas and electric Sprague Energy, uh, uh, always sponsors of our lightning round. We appreciate it. Okay, you ready? Nine questions to finish. Here I'm we go. I'm ready, but go ahead. Seinfeld, sure. Modern Family, or The Office? Seinfeld, Modern Family, or The Office? Um, you know what? I'm going to say The Office. I just uh, I just started watching it for the very first time, Bob, with, oh. my, with my kids, and I think it's phenomenal. Oh. It's been I'm almost in, I'm almost done with season nine, the last season. Uh, I was going to say that's a binge show worthwhile. That's for sure. Oh, it's been yeah. it's been great. Saturday morning, nothing on your schedule. What are we going to find you doing? Uh, nothing on my schedule. Trying to trying to exercise. Good for you. Don't don't exercise enough. But if I got some free time, I'm gonna good try to get running. in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're running. Run. You're running the marathon this year, right? Yeah, yeah right. Well, <laughs> not exactly. All right, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. Belichick. Yeah. And you would have said that even if Brady hadn't retired this year. Uh, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would never ask you your favorite restaurant, but what is your favorite genre of restaurant? Ooh, my favorite genre of restaurant. Um, you know, growing up in Rhode Island, I love Chinese food. It's yeah. always been love Chinese food. There you go. Okay. Um, Springsteen, Madonna, The Weeknd, or Carrie Underwood? Oh, it's an easy one. Springsteen all day long. Oh, God love you. E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely. Love medium them. rare, medium well, or vegetarian? Um, uh, medium well. Okay. All right. You want to make sure that steak is safe. Good for you. A little pink. A little Hate pink in the middle. A little pink in the middle. There you go. Yeah. Julia Child, Ming Tsai, Rachel Ray, or Gordon Ramsay? Ming Tsai. Ming Tsai. Even though Gordon Ramsay has a new restaurant in town, he's got the shiny new penny. Uh, Ming Bing. Ming Bing. Ming, 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 there you go. Always there you go. A fribble, a Twinkie, table talk pie, or fluff a nutter? Sorry, one more time. <laughs> a fribble, a Twinkie, table talk pie, or fluff a nutter? I'll go with table talk pie. Table talk pie, Worcester's yeah. premier Old product. School. There you go. That's right. And yeah. the final question What team is most likely to be in a duck boat parade through the streets of Boston next? Uh, I f- I feel like the Red Sox are due. You know they're coming up on there every 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 three years, uh, four years. I feel like the the Sox are due and probably the closest. Well, let's let's hope so, and let's hope they have a season. Right, we're we're still a little bit questionable as to exactly when that's going to be and what it's going to be. But uh, hey, Mayor Marty's involved. There right? you go. There we're, you go. We get, he'll hopefully get it done. We get our Secretary of Labor on it. Listen, Jeff Bean, uh, uh, true, true uh, honor to have you here, and uh, I couldn't be more excited for for the leadership and for the team that you have over there. Um, you're a terrific uh, person to be in that role. Uh, it is not new, but it's still new, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna kill it. And, and again, uh, Trimark United is just a great partner with the MRA and and all the industry up here. So thank you for everything that you do. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate you and everything the MRA does for our industry and uh, happy to be a, a proud supporter of it.
Thank you. I'm Steve Clark, Vice President of Government Affairs for the Mass Restaurant Association, and this is live with From the Hill. Up next on the MRA podcast, we are joined by a celebrity chef, a superstar in Boston, Andy Husbands. Andy, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You're a three-time winner for Boston Magazine Best Barbecue. You're the improper Bostonian, Boston Best. You've been first place in events around the country. Where's your trophy case? Where do you, where do you display all those awards? <laughs> uh, you know, they're actually at all the restaurants. Uh, you'll definitely see them at Assembly. I'm trying to think about where else I have them. Definitely at uh, our Seaport location. But I just have them around. Uh, the big ones, like the World Championship or, uh, you know, first place brisket in Kansas City, we, we, we don't. We don't take those out. That's more like kind of the uh, the Stanley Cup. It, it makes a tour, but really, they, they, they come out once in a while for reviewing, right? <laughs> yeah, when you need to bring the big guns. But otherwise, you know, third place chicken and you know, acting mass. That's what you'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, you talked about you you've competed around the world and you've been in various cities, and and every city has a different spin on barbecue. You know, whether it's yes. Texas or Kansas City or Tennessee. Talk about some of the distinctions that you see in those cities, and then how does those competitions change as you're going through those distinctions? Um. So, wow, what a what a great question, and um, you know, so. so I, I don't want to do a disservice to anyone. I, I love barbecue. I love the history and heritage of barbecue. I think it's very important to honor that. So I'll just give you some highlights, really cursory highlights. Texas is known for kind of no sauce, salt and pepper. That's what you're going to see in beef. Lots of beef, but they do other things great as well. And then, of course, there's the Texas Hot Link. South Carolina known for its mustard sauce. Uh, North Carolina... What a hog, what a whole hog, depends on what part of the state you were in. You know, there's different types of table sauces, depending on what, you know, whether you're uh, Eastern or Western. Um, You know, Kansas City is known for its heavy sauce. And I don't mean, no, I don't want to, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just a very rich, dynamic sauce with molasses and smoke. It's really super cool. Uh, Memphis, of course, is known for its dry rub. So when we're competing, um, you know, we uh, we kind of just you kind of need to know your judges is, is the answer. So you try to like when we competed in Georgia, we cooked with peach wood, right? And we try to kind of emulate the flavors that are kind of known for there because you know the judges are coming from there. That's what they're familiar or used to. In the restaurant, uh, what I, what I really um, you know people often ask us, what style are you? And we're not necessarily a style. We're what I call city cue. Mm-hmm. And that's really barbecue from the city. And it's it's a really a homage or, you know, um, you know, we I just want to show the great barbecue I've seen around the country. So, you know, our ribs lean toward Memphis and our our brisket leans toward Texas, but our burnt ends lean toward Kansas City. So you know, um, I would never claim to be authentic. You know, it's my very educated um, ch- uh, challenge to try to get to as close as we can. But, you know, it's kind of like saying, look, I, look, I know how to make kimchi, but I'm never going to tell you it's authentic kimchi because I'm, I'm not from Korea. So I'm not going to tell you this is exactly as Texas does it. 
because I'm not from Texas. Right, so but it, but it's such a off. it's such a great uh, you know experience for the for the Boston and the Massachusetts diner that that doesn't have the specific flair or flavor that those other areas have, and so that yeah. that's what makes your operation so great is that you get the opportunity as a as a local to to kind of have the mix of of those flavors. It, it's it's it, it works exactly. for the for the diner it's, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, so you're on TV. You write highly acclaimed <laughs> cookbooks. You're winning awards. When do you find time to run your restaurants? Um, there's a famous uh, quote from a famous uh, French chef, and he's at a charity event, and they asked him, "Who cooks in your restaurant when you're when you're you know at events like this when you're not there?" And his answer was, "The same person that cooks at my restaurants when I am there." And one of the things I like to do is build teams. So building a team, training, teaching, that's really my job. Um, you know, so when do I find time? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of everything's possible with proper planning and training. I mean, that's kind of it. So, you know, we're a growing business and we love building teams. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and your team is awesome. And, and so Smoke Shop has five locations now. Uh, you know, what, what's in the works? Do you have any new projects that you've been promoting or, or stuff you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean we're 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 actively going uh, working on opening up in East Boston, which is just an amazing neighborhood, very dynamic, very fun, um, lots of you know other great restaurants and bars, and, and it's just what a cool place. And where we're located happens to be a beautiful view, a 270 degree view of Boston Harbor, looking at Boston. And uh, so we're really excited to open this and hopefully in a, you know, three, four, five months, however long that takes these days. And um, that's what we're working on. That's it's awesome. just an amazing place. You yeah. think you think about, the, you know, Boston over the years is that different neighborhoods just pop up, you know, whether it was the South End 25 mm -hmm. years ago or the Seaport 10 years ago. Uh, you know, I think East Boston is really ready to be that next part of Boston that pops and just becomes an attraction and destination for, for both Boston residents, but also people out across Massachusetts and New England because, because of those views and because of the waterfront and, and, the, and the hospitality that, that could, could be in East Boston. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, which, I mean, it's just cool. You know, I, 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 I want to be careful because, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I just think it's, I, I've been going to Eastie for a while. You know, Santarpio's is, my second home for a long time. So like, I love that area. We're, so we're getting I, a lot of know, thumbs we, up in the studio, uh, for, for Santarpio. <laughs> so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So if we can be just another addition to the, what they, what they have there, because there's so much great restaurants there. Um, you know, Angelo's of course, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, we're excited to go be there. That's awesome. Uh, another one of your passions is whiskey. And, you know, mm. we've seen an incredible collection and pairing of barbecue and whiskey. And, you know, talk about how whiskey pairs with barbecue and what are some of the different whiskey flavors you're experimenting about? And how did you get in? How did you did did the whiskey come after the barbecue? Have you always had a fan of whiskey? You know, kind of talk about your, your whiskey <laughs> appreciation. Those that know me might say that I've been a fan too long. In whiskey. <laughs> um God, I, you know, it's so interesting. And, and actually, for years, I really didn't drink whiskey. Um, but as I got deeper into barbecue culture, um, and I'd love to point out that barbecue is the uh, friendliest food around. It's the it's the food of family gatherings and celebrations and graduations. It's just a and so bar, whiskey kind of dovetails nicely into that. And when we talk about whiskey, um, we talk about flavors like vanilla 
and oak and spice uh, and smoke sometimes. Um, we talk about caramel, right? These are flavors that we would also use when we're describing barbecue. So, you know, we know that whiskey and specifically bourbon is, you know, known for, from a, when we talk about American whiskeys, you know, they're thought of as coming from the South. They, there's lots of great ones coming out of Boston. There's lots of great ones, you know, coming out of, you know, Colorado, all different places, but we think of it as coming from the South originally. And so isn't that interesting how this cuisine, which we also attribute to the South, um, has its own has its own drink. Think of it like France and wine, right? Even though now great wine comes from multitude of places. Um, we have New England's largest American whiskey list. So we have um, about 440 labels. Wow. Um, some locations have a little less, some have a little more, uh, but about 444 <laughs> labels. It's a lot. Um, it's a big investment, um, but we think it's the perfect partner for barbecue. And we're there for the guy or gal that wants the Jack and Coke. And we're there that somebody wants the, you know, um, the Angel's Envy to, you know, um, Whistle Pig's Boss Hog. We, we kind of have everything. And if you want to learn something, we're there to teach. If you want to just have a cold beverage, let's do that too. Well, you you know, I, I, I've read a little bit about your whiskey classes. And, you know, we talk about a restaurant space. And, you know, a restaurant is only in operation, you know, five hours a day maybe. And that's if you're doing all three meals or if you're doing two meals. And, you know, there's a lot of restaurant space that's available. And how do you maximize that space? I've seen mm. that you've been doing whiskey classes and kind of, giving that intimate knowledge to, to consumers that want to go with their friends and learn more about whiskey. Sure. How are those going? Those are great. You know, we just did, uh, for, um, for Valentine's day, we did a, uh, eight person dinner. So four couples of two at each location, each with its own different whiskey and a whiskey expert that's going to teach a class. And they sold out in a matter of minutes. If you're interested in actually getting on our list, just go to our website, thesmokeshopbarbecue.com, sign up, and you will get first notice of our classes and events. And um, not only do we teach whiskey classes, but um, in fact, tonight, uh, I am teaching a wing class. Tomorrow night, I'm teaching a fried chicken class. Um, all of our classes are sold out, but we will be announcing in a couple months uh, the spring and summer sessions. And these are a great way to learn, have fun, and eat some good food. I mean, you've really talk about uh, painting a picture, you, the flavors in the whiskey and then the flavors you've talked about in your food. And, you know, we're, we're, we're recording around lunchtime here. I know everyone in the studio is almost looking around saying, when, when can we go right now? Uh, this is, <laughs> you know, unbelievable. Uh, so you are going to be at, you know, one of our main culinary demonstrations at the New England Food Show. New England Food Show back in business for the first time in two years in April uh, coming up. Talk about the excitement around the food show and the importance of it and getting back into the swing of things of seeing people and seeing vendors and and reconnecting in the industry and and, and how the food show uh, plays into that yeah i'm not sure what you guys are doing but uh i had four staff members and this never happens four staff members come up to me and go can we get tickets um so somehow they're finding out that's a credit to the pr cool. team you know it just that's yeah. that's uh <laughs> iuc you know getting the push out there on the food show <laughs> yeah well you know, you do know that I taught JP everything. Right? Yes, of course, uh, of course. He, he may <laughs> he may him. he may edit this part out, but uh, yes, we know that uh, JP learned a lot from both my, uh, you and myself. <laughs> no, um, but um, you know we're, we're super excited. Look, I'm excited to do anything, 
Uh, I'm getting invites to do things this spring and summer. We're, we're seeing catering blow up. You know, we're just excited to be out there. And the food show, I don't know. It's just something to me that marks kind of like here comes spring. And I don't know. I'm kind of giddy about it, thinking about it's like going back to camp, right? Get to see everybody. Um, and even for me, and I've been in this game for gosh knows how long, let's say 30 plus years, right around there. Um, I see something new. I make new contacts and I see something new. Um, you know, I was at the food show a few years back and I, uh, I ended up making a deal for a guy to make my spice rubs. Like it happened there. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's all about so those, those types things, of, those incidental conversations, those relationships that yeah. happen. And I think it's just so important and, um, I'm excited. And I, as I, as I mentioned before, I love teaching. So I get an opportunity to be on the stage and talk to people about barbecue and my passion for barbecue and, uh, maybe hand out some treats, which we're pretty excited about. So those things are, uh, are fun for me. Absolutely. So when you do a culinary demo, what, what's, what's the strategy going in? Do you do something that you're comfortable with that you're easy to talk and, and can navigate while you're doing it? Or do you use that as an ex, uh, opportunity to experiment and say, Hey, what if I tried this? Or, or do you mix it up depending on, you know, where you're doing a demonstration? Um, a little bit of everything, but I mean, gosh, I, you know, I, I like to stick on brand and I don't mean that as a kind of a corporate policy, but it's, it's what I know and it's what I'm passionate about. So I like to kind of, you know, talk about barbecue. And what's cool about, especially in New England, is not everybody's doing it, you know? So I like to encourage people to do it at home, you know, or, you know, yeah, they can come in. But it's it's such a cool process of cooking the ultimate barbecue. And when you can do that, it's it's just so much fun. So for me, I'm just going to probably, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I got to start thinking about that, I suppose. But um, usually some sauces and some meats and talk about our process and, uh, you know, maybe turn some people on to some things they haven't had before. It's it's going to be awesome. And, and, and just having this conversation, I think I might have to drive into the city and get some barbecue right now. Uh, yes. Andy Husband's Smoke Shop, uh, New England Food Show, Monday, April 4th, Center Stage, Andy, thank you very much for coming on the MRA podcast. My pleasure. I'll see everybody soon. Thank you. All right. Talk to you. This is Kerry Miller, the Vice President of Operations for the Massachusetts Restaurant Association, and this is What's Next. This is Kerry Miller, and this is What's Next. Uh, we're blessed at the uh, association to... Uh, know those who are on the front edge of trends. I mean, my guest today is just that person. Marion Leitner is the founder and CEO of Archerus Wines, one of the leading canned wine companies in the U.S. Uh, she's on a mission to democratize wine by making the wine industry more inclusive and leveraging the format to fit the lifestyles of modern consumers. Archerus has been recognized by Wine Spectator and the Beverage Tasting Institute her wines can be found in James Beard award-winning restaurants, grocery stores, and JetBlue. Marion, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. Uh, so excited to be here. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a kind of a couple of year run here. Pandemic kind of got in the way of us early on, uh, but uh, you know I'm a fan for all major reasons of of you and your brand. You know I love the fact that Archerus is taking sustainability seriously, not only in their product but in the packaging. Uh, I'm often horrified after a weekend of uh, entertaining that go down to the recycle bin. I see a sea of bottles that we're throwing back uh, into the system. And even more importantly, I think you're taking the stigma out of the like, kind of like the packaging of wine. And I mean, the wine in the box forever has been had this stigma of 
not great wine. And, and you guys are doing exactly the opposite of that. So how did you come upon this brilliant business model? Uh, well, you know, it comes back to a really ancient idea, which is that wine has really been a democratic drink for thousands of years. You know, armies marched across Europe with wineskins in their pant legs. And so what we, what really kind of changed everything for us was this realization that up until the 1970s, less than 5% of all wine that was produced was put into a bottle. And only wines that were truly meant to be vintaged or, you know, bottle aged were the ones that were put into a bottle. And what really changed everything was when Congress standardized that 750 milliliter bottle for taxation purposes and European importers saw an opportunity to upsell Americans on lesser expensive wines. Uh, so the problem that that has created is one, it limited occasions of when wine could be drank. drank. Two, it, it spawned a culture that really made wine feel impre- impenetrable to a lot of Main Street consumers. When frankly, uh, you know, consumers today are looking for products that are uh, organically grown, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, have no additives. And frankly, that's wine. That's the, the, the original kind of beer alternative, right? Uh, and so what we've really striven to do is say, you know, let's put this in a format that makes sense for the consumer. And the first thing that we heard from our consumers was, I just want to have a glass of wine at the end of the day. I don't want to open up a bottle. And that is, that was the aha moment of, man, let's, let's make wine in individual uh, serving, uh, serving sizes in sustainable packaging, which would allow it to be recycled anywhere in the U.S., versus a bottle, which is only recyclable in 60% of municipalities here. And finally, we're going to go out and uh, partner with world-class winemakers in the most uh, you know, celebrated wine-growing regions around the world to produce our wines so that they're dangerously delicious and truly you don't have to give up anything to drink your way to a, better, a cleaner planet. Uh, that, that's awesome. And I wasn't aware that that, that was a governmental mandate that that forced it into it but once again god, god love government and get in the way of having a good glass of wine um, that's all i'm saying let's we got to take us back for the people yeah and so uh th- hats off to you folks you know I, I back in the day uh i i came out of fine dining and i went to work, work to work for this little company way back when called applebee's right and they were <laughs> they, they were fledging when i came when i joined them i'm dating myself but on the on the upward curve, we in, uh, we engaged the folks at Mondavi to make wine more accessible to that base of clientele. They were they and and the employment base, right? The employment base was nervous about talking about wine because there was that stigma associated to it. And I think you guys are doing a great service by bring it bring it down to a daily event consumer purchase where everybody feels comfortable in buying a can of wine or a box of wine and having a really good event with it. So thanks to you guys. Well, look, and I think the other piece of this too is that is so that I, I think there's sort of two exciting things uh, really about this format and, and in this period of time that we're living. The first is the increasing acceptance we see for alternative formats, and our products are available in kegs and cans. And as you mentioned, we are you know um, we're pouring on on JetBlue. We were the first canned wine to partner with a major airline, and actually because that test was so successful, we're now taking over. JetBlue's entire still wine contract 
Additionally, uh, we have led the way for other airlines to feel really excited and comfortable around canned wine. And the second is, uh, so that's that's exciting, just kind of seeing that kind of embrace uh, at a large scale in a very risk-adverse industry. And the the kind of second piece is that, you know, the past two years have been brutal for so many of us, but particularly our partners in the restaurant industry. And I truly see alternative packaging as a way for us to support um, our re- our restaurant partners get back on their feet post pandemic because we all know that we've there's been so many challenges, whether it be inventory management, making sure you can maximize profitability, um, and also handle waste in a time when, frankly, like some days you're really busy and some days you're not. Um, and so that's where I really see alternative packaging being able to play a meaningful role in helping get our restaurants not only, you know, fully open, fully booked, but also really profitable businesses again. Yeah, I, without a doubt. I mean, I've been in multiple restaurants over the course of the last two years where, you know, if you don't have a vacuum system for your wine and you crack a bottle and you pour a glass, you pour, you're, you're losing it. And, yeah, and to have, exactly. to have it in a, in a you know, single portion. Are you seeing acceptance on the restaurant front, Marion? We are, you know, as I mentioned, we're, we've been, you know, ever since we started, 80% of our business has come from bars and restaurants. And we actually pivoted uh, during the pandemic to help a number of our restaurant partners really focus on delivery, where, which I think is a revenue stream that's here to stay. Um, but it's an upsell opportunity to be off to offer a can of wine because then they don't have to commit to that full bottle. No doubt. Um, and at the same time, you know, you can still increase that basket size. Uh, and as we've come out of the pandemic, we hear again and again from our restaurant partners how much they appreciate, you know, the low cost per ounce, one-to-one inventory management, um, a store, still like a wine full of stories that they can share with their consumers uh, or with their customers. Um, but again, just ability to really maximize profit for their wine by the glass program, which is just really critical right now as we're all getting back on our feet. Well, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and if you're a restaurateur out there listening to this and you haven't looked at this, just think about the craft beer world and what you're doing with the craft beer cans. I mean, you, you have to get on board. This is a freight train on the tracks and Arturus is just at the at the front, front of the line. Hey, one, another thing that I'd like to hit with you because it's important to everybody to understand um, I think we're insular in the restaurant industry because we we did take it hit hard, but every other industry is fighting the same stuff, as, whether it be staffing or, or logistics or supply chain. And you guys do dealing internationally. I mean, that must have thrown a gasoline on the fire. How did the pandemic affect affect the business, Marion? Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, I feel very lucky to still be standing here. Uh, you know, we we had to pivot very hard uh, during the pandemic, um, and you know. I think where we have been lucky is actually in our supply chain model. Um, so rather than go out and buy bulk wine, we partner with cool young winemakers uh, around the world. We buy grapes directly from growers. Uh, so we know exactly where the grapes are coming from and how they've been treated. We produce our wine within 20 miles of where the grapes were grown. Um, and then we ship everything in a flexi tank to upstate New York. And that's where the finished wine is packaged for distribution. Um, and of course we had, you know, challenges, particularly in Q- Q3 of last year, managing our supply chain. But luckily 
we've gotten pretty adept now at just making sure that we're carrying the inventory we need uh, and working with longer lead times to make sure that we can we keep all the inventory we need on hand to service our partners and to help them in this critical time of need. Yeah. I, a r- relatively young company, you uh, are, how's the reach? I mean, how far out are you uh, shipping and in, in, in the client base? Yeah, we are uh, shipping across a country all the way oh, to great. California now. So, um, you know, servicing national accounts and, uh, uh, you know, again, just really excited to be here and to continue to see acceptance for the alternative format. Um, and looking forward to really helping uh, businesses in New England embrace this format as well. Uh, by the way, uh, you, the other guest that you have on today is one of my favorite people is your son. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's awesome. So thanks for have, inviting him into the show today too. Wonderful. I, I can't wait to listen. Yeah. Hey, um, before, and generally at the end, I, I, I do this, but I think it's important right now, if you're a restaurateur out there, and you you need to uh, you know look at your menu, understand your menu, get on board with that you know that now thirty percent of your stream, which is off premise. How how do they reach out to you and engage, uh, Marion? Yeah, well, we've got a great um, sales team, uh, you know, servicing the New England area. You can actually reach out to us in two ways. So the first way is you could send an email directly to me. That's Marion M A R I A N at archerroos.com. And I'll make sure that we get you um, all hooked up. Additionally, uh, we have a new B2B portal, uh, which allows you to go directly onto our website and learn more about our products and actually place an order directly through our website, which will be fulfilled by our distributor. That's awesome. Uh, and we this is really meant to be a truly consultative process. So we offer many different ways for you to kind of filter our products uh, and you can decide whether or not you you know, want to carry cans or kegs. We offer support services for how to set that up and also marketing materials to in- so that you know that we're in it with you to help these products uh, connect to your consumers. Because at the end of the day, the best part about wine is the fact that we're really selling cool stories. And we have this um, philosophy uh, we call it the four P's, and that's all about our practice, people, place, and the profile of all of our wines. And we just want to make it as simple and easy as possible for you to kind of talk about the stories behind our wine uh, to get people as excited about the wines themselves as we are. Now, I love your website. I think that, you know, if you go out, if, if you have any conscience whatsoever about eating and drinking and you spend a couple of minutes on your website, you'll understand that this is a company that you should associate yourself with and tell those stories. And, and the reason why you pick the, the, the ventures that you do and, you know, how you package. So I think, uh, and you know what, I think the pandemic did a lot of things, right? And I think pandemic kind of got in the way of the sustainability piece because people are trying to survive, right? And I yeah. think that now that we're coming back around, it's gonna come for, forefront again and people need to consider, you know, the products they're putting on, on the table and where they're coming from. Look, I mean, we're all facing an existential crisis in, in the sense that we really have to vote with our dollars uh, in order to make smart choices to ensure that we can, you know, continue continue to enjoy the bounty that this, you know, earth provides, uh, wine included. Um, but I think what I really love about 
think I think what the pandemic challenged a lot of sustainably minded companies to do is to put ourselves in the seats of our customers and ask, how can we really make sure that not only can people make the right decision for the planet, but we're also helping them make the right decision for their business. And, you know, that's, that's a conversation I'm always excited to have. Yeah. Hey, and, you, and you brought up, to take a sidestep here, but you brought up Kegwine a minute ago. And, and I know that companies like Earl's in the past have tried to uh, initiate Kegwine um, pouring from a tap uh, systems, which is to me, ultimately where we have to end up, right? You've got a great product. You don't have to have a, you know, you can bring in the, the keg and you can run, you know, for a month without creating anything other than dirty glasses, right? Um, yep. Is it catching? It, it definitely is. Um, you know, there are, I think places where keg sense just as keg, uh, kegs are just a no brainer. And that's, you know, things like bottomless brunch mimosas and, um, you know, I, I think that where companies needed to go back and do the work was one, make sure it was as easy for their partners as possible to utilize their products. And that meant, you know, technology that would allow um, kegs of wine to run off the same systems as beer. Yep. And the second is, uh, uh, is, is really having that QAQC in place around this. And, you know, the thing about Archer Roos is that because, sustainable packaging has been in our DNA since the beginning. We've partnered with uh, organizations like Cornell University and Anardis, which are the leading wine researchers in the country, uh, to make sure that we are really treating this process unique to the format. So like, we're not just taking wine that, you know, that you would just go ahead and bottle and putting it in a keg, because in order for that wine to perform, it needs to be uh, handled a little differently. And so uh, that's the kind of care that you get with Archer Roos. And, and again, why, how we're trying to set up our customers for success, which is ultimately about prioritizing, you know, the end consumer experience and making sure that they don't feel like they're giving anything up by having that glass of wine poured from a keg and from a bottle. Yeah, you don't have to go far from Cornell to find a smart person in, in the hospitality industry, do you? I mean, <clears throat> they, they've got a great program up there at Cornell. They really do. All right. So this, our conversation started two plus years ago regarding a food show that we had to postpone for a couple of years for this little thing called COVID that got in the way. Right. And, <laughs> that little thing called COVID. Yeah. Uh, and we're now at the, I got, I, it's great. That now we're at the point where we're actualizing, getting back together as an industry for April 3rd through uh, 5th. Uh, at the Boston Convention Center. And one of the great things we've got going for us for this food show, other than the fact that we get together and we get to get back together as an industry, is incredibly great programming and keynotes. And you're our beverage keynote on Tuesday, uh, the 5th, uh, on center stage. Um, again, kind of thoughts from your perspective about getting back together as an industry and the food show? I mean, look, this is this is an industry that, its soul is about bringing people together and sharing, you know, uh, a meal and, and sharing a beverage because it's recognizing that at the end of the day, no digital, nothing digital can ever replace in-person human connection. And so, you know, ultimately the hospitality industry is around convening. And so the opportunity to get back together and share experiences and share hard-won lessons and figure out how we grow from here, I, I just can't wait. 
Well, we can't wait to have you back on the center stage because this is critical stuff for people to be listening to. And if you're listening, uh, we've got great programming throughout, but I recommend strongly that you get in there on Tuesday. And I think Elise Towns Franken from your from your group is also in a uh, headquarters session on Tuesday afternoon. I think too, isn't she? That's correct. And Alicia, you know, actually really helped build the program at Grill 23, you know, in the 90s and has since really fought for inclusivity and, uh, you know, uh, in the wine industry overall. So we're so excited to have her on our team as our VP of wine. And uh, we can't wait for just to be part of the conversation. Well, I can't either. And it's not that far away. The freight train's on the tracks. Uh, uh, If you haven't gotten your tickets yet for the New England Food Show, hop on the New England Food Show website and register. Uh, Marion, always a pleasure to to talk to you. uh, And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Carrie. Have a great day. And uh, I can't wait for April. Hey, one last thing. uh, And most importantly, did you ever get Elizabeth Banks out of your house? (laughs) <laughs> what can I say? She's moved in and I guess we're keeping her. So if you haven't seen it yet, check out the, check out the commercials. Cause it's, they're really, really cool. Uh, That's right. Our, our chief creative officer, uh, Elizabeth Banks, who moved into my house during the pandemic and is now helping us educate uh, consumers on, on canned wine. So uh, check it out on YouTube. Uh, best regards to Elizabeth and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Together We Win, the Massachusetts Restaurant Association podcast. Produced by the Massachusetts Restaurant Association in partnership with Image Unlimited Communications and Red 13 Studios. For more information on the Massachusetts Restaurant Association, please visit themassrest.org. Thank you. You've been listening to Together We Win, the MRA podcast. For any information on this podcast or any other episode, visit us at our website, themassrest.org.